The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gap, episode 556 for Sunday, June 7th, 2015. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in questions, tips, and cool stuff found, and uh, we share it all. We answer the questions that we can, we share the rest with the community. And together, the goal is to learn a whole lot new each and every time we get together. Uh, sponsors for this episode include Smile Software, with the PDF Pen Pro 7. We will talk about that shortly. You can see that at smilesoftware.com slash geek. Harry's at uh, harrys.com. Coupon code SHAVE5OFF gets you five bucks off. And we'll talk more about that and, uh, and their little Father's Day promotion coming up shortly. Uh, as well as Casper at casper.com slash MGG coupon code MGG saves you 50 bucks off the best sleep of your life with a brand new mattress from Casper. So we'll talk about that shortly as well here in San Francisco, California. I'm Dave Hamilton. Wow. And here in fearful Connecticut on, on the other side of the country, John F. Braun. And you've got motorcycles going by, John F. Braun. Or well, I do. you know, it is perfect. Uh, the, today is is one of those days that is just your perfect, I would say, New England. There you go. You know, about 70, not too yucky out. And yeah, and the, the bikers, uh, you know, including the ones that don't seem to understand what a muffler is for, uh, are out there in force. It's, it's great. Yeah, That's it's perfect awesome. motorcycling or bicycling weather. Everybody's out just being crazy. Very cool. Very, very cool, man. How about yeah. you? What's it? Uh, what, what's it like out uh, in San Francisco? There, and I'm Same. not going to say Frisco or San Fran because I know residents tend to shake their fist when they hear those. Yeah, uh, they'll get over it. Abbreviations, but uh, they'll get over it. So, yeah. how's San Francisco? It's awesome. Uh, same weather that you're having there. It's and it's clear today, which is good. There's there's all kinds of sporting events happening uh, this afternoon. I'm told, but we're recording this show, so, uh, so I will I will miss those. But uh, yeah, so. Uh, if I fall asleep halfway through the show, I just want to explain why that might happen. I had a gig last night, but it was an early gig. It was one of our family-friendly Fling Fest uh, rock and roll shows, and we had uh, four different bands play. Fling was one of them, and, and the, the other three were kids' bands. We raised My daughter actually coordinated it, raised a ton of money for a charity called Little Kids Rock, uh, which is an awesome – yeah, it was an awesome thing. She, had to, she has to do this for her, uh, for her social studies class. They have to raise money, you know, raise awareness for something. It's called a power of one project to teach you what you can do when you're just one little person. So, uh, so she raised a crap ton of money actually for this charity last night. And then, uh, but that ended at like 1030. I'm home at like midnight. It, actually, I was home long before midnight, but, you know, tried to get in a bed about midnight. I can't sleep after gigs. So it was a fitful night's sleep, but not really. I woke up at about, I guess I got up finally at about four o'clock. Um, without having really slept too much. Maybe I got a couple hours. Uh, showered, went to the airport. I had to keep myself awake on the way to the airport. And then as soon as I got on the plane, in the airport, and I've thought about this for a long time, I bought one of those neck pillows. I should have brought my son's because he has one at home, but I didn't think about it until I was halfway there. So I paid the 14 bucks in the airport and I bought one of those neck pillows and it was the best 14 bucks I spent all day because I wrapped that thing around my neck. I don't even remember taking off. 
and we were about four yes. hours into the flight when I woke up. So I got I got good sleep there, and then uh, and then popped back to uh, the apartment where I'm staying here through Airbnb, and uh, and basically I ran to the grocery store quick to get some you know staples, cheese, mm-hmm. apples, ice cream, beer, and uh, and here we are recording the show. Nice. Of course, I'm here for WWDC this week. Yeah, uh, yeah, I hear a few people are, and yeah. uh, actually tomorrow, um, I'll be watching the event, which uh, uh, I believe is happening uh, starting, and you can see it, so you can see it on the Apple TV, Dave. Um, you know, right. I, I lo- like the Apple TV for that, so they they post the Apple events. So I believe it's starting at 10 a.m. Pacific, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time, and should go for about two hours, right? Yeah, but that's yeah. Usually question. about usually about two hours. I think that's right. Yeah, it's the WWDC keynote. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, and then you'll probably be. Uh, I got an invite. With some people about that. I'm doing. Uh, yeah. Oh, you did. Okay, yes. and I'll be doing a uh, Mac Roundtable. We're gonna have the Mac Roundtable. Nice gang uh, digesting that and offering their commentary. So you know you you'll you'll see that coming out. Great Sweet. that the uh, group got back together. We had a little hiatus for a while, but uh, you know, know. a few people. Kicked our butts into gear, and maybe we'll get even you, Dave, back on the. <laughs> I would love table. to be back on the show. Um, yeah, it, it tomorrow does not work, so I've got actually mm-hmm. tonight. There's a showstoppers for the first time here at at uh, at WWDC, so I'll go to that event. But I think it's going to be pretty. I think it's only a dozen or so um, exhibitors, and then I'll go over to SF Mac Indie, which we are happily sponsoring this year, and uh, and then Ooh, sweet, and then tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow in the evening after the keynote and all that, oh, the, uh, the, there's the, all the, or that next event fundraiser that I always go to and that we're sponsoring again at the cartoon art museum. And, uh, and then the beard bash where I'm actually going to do sound tomorrow night because they have live band karaoke and it's always driven me crazy that there's, uh, you know, 25 singers throughout the night and nobody sings the same and nobody runs sound. And so I offered to Jim. The beard uh, bash. Is this a uh, uh, gym? Yeah. 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 So that's that. And then on Tuesday, I'm speaking at AltConf. I think I'm speaking at AltConf on a panel uh, talking to developers about how best to and not to approach the press. So, and then I fly home Wednesday morning. So, wow. Now, AltConf is the, if if you couldn't manage uh, to get a ticket for WWDC, AltConf is an independent event that, that runs in parallel. Couldn't or didn't want to. It's a very different sure. thing, right? I mean, it, it, listen, WWDC is awesome um, because not only do you get to hear from Apple engineers on existing and, and of course, new, newly existing uh, technologies from Apple, you also get to meet with them and talk to them and get them to solve your problems. And it's the coolest thing. I've only ever taken advantage of the labs, I think, once. And, uh, and it was amazing seeing them. I think I've told the story. We had a problem where Safari wasn't compatible with our ad server in one little minor way. And I went in and, and they're like, Oh, that's like Tim's bug. And they brought Tim over and Tim's like, great. Can you replicate it? And I said, yeah. And he's like, okay, log in, do it. I did it. He's like, awesome. And he fires up Xcode, makes a little change, compiles Safari right there. And he's like, all right, now test it. I was like, yeah, that works. He's like, awesome. And he's like, I'm like, I can't take that home with me, though. He's like, yeah, no, you, absolutely not. You know, he's, he's like, you have to wait till it's in the next release cycle. I'm like, oh, okay. But it's cool because you can, I, I mean, when else are you going to, you know, Apple is so 
closed down, it's it's nice to be able to do that. So so that's that part of WWDC is awesome. All of all of it is. Uh AltConf is sort of the the human side of it, if you will, or the you know, kind of the 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 reaction side of of what happens when you're an Apple developer and all the other kind of cool things. And they have some techie talks as well, but but a lot of it is you know, sort of what it means to be a developer and how best to to hone your craft and that sort of thing. What is Man, it is I I I mean it's weird. Maybe maybe because we're on a different setup. I'm I'm using Audio Hijack 3 and obviously no outboard gear here. So all of the noise gates and and all of that stuff are mm-hmm. um are are different. They're they're just I mean they're software based and they're just set differently. So it's possible we're hearing more of the noise in your area maybe because it's because of that or maybe it's just one of those days john but anyway so that's what i'm here for short short trip cool and all conf did they uh i, I think there was a controversy over whether they could uh did, did they get over that whether they could stream the uh, keynote i think some people were there was a back and forth where they wanted to stream it and apple was like well no 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 and so they, they have like, oh, they have on, guys don't be jerks about it well no apple's point was was valid alt conf has always streamed the keynote and they they have a they get a conference room somewhere nearby and that's where they hold all their sessions and everything. Yeah. And, and the agreement when you watch any Apple events says you can't broadcast this without express written permission, kind of like baseball and a lot of other events. And I can understand. Uh, that, it's, right? it's, but, it's oh. more nuanced than that though, John it's, it's that okay. in the past there hasn't been any problem with these community uh, based broadcasts. In fact, before I got my invite to go to the thing, uh, you know, to go actually be in the room, which is great. And that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I was invited to go watch it at Twitter, right? And with some Twitter engineers and, and they have a, a thing, right? And they, they let some members of the public and, and such in to hang out with them. And that Apple's fine with that. Apple's been fine with AltConf in the past because AltConf has been 100% free of charge. They've had sponsors to cover their costs. <sighs> but this year, they they it's still free of charge and anybody that wants to can go in up to capacity of the room that this year they sold uh, hero supporter tickets for alt comp where you paid 300 bucks and for anything that wasn't the keynote. And this, this is an important distinction um, for the normal sessions, like the panel that I'm on and, and any of the other sessions that are happening, the heroes get to go into the room up until I think 15 minutes before the session. So they can get in and get seats ahead of anyone else uh, because they paid to help keep the lights on, you know, and then and then they kind of open it up to the great unwashed and and we can all go in. But um, Apple saw that they were charging tickets and said, OK, no, this year, because you're charging, we can't have you charging right. people. And 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 so there was a back and forth and and uh, and some people from Apple got involved and talked to the folks at AltConf and and it all sorted out. They said, no, 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 no. You know, yes, we did do this hero ticket thing, but. The heroes don't have preferred seating for the keynote. That's first come first serve, and uh, and and so I think I think that was sort of the the sticking or the tipping point was okay. If you're not selling access to watch it, then we'll we'll let you go. Yeah, but they okay. they still won't let them live stream the sessions. You as a developer. If you are a registered developer, can live stream yes. WWDC just, sessions I, all week. Yeah, I just renewed my uh, yeah. membership actually, which. Uh, for those that don't know, if you want to be a part of either the iOS or OS ten developer programs, it's only ninety nine bucks a year. What a steal! It in is my a steal. Opinion. Yeah, man. It's, it's good. Uh, 
for me, uh, you know, I, I, I think the biggest benefit that I get is, uh, uh, you know, being able to look at, uh, so it gives you access to all of the, uh, uh, you know, various versions of OS 10, uh, going way, way back because as a developer, you need this. But, uh, what I like, uh, using it for Dave is, uh, to take a peek at the server version, right? Because right. the server yeah. version, um, of OS 10 has quite, uh, quite a few features that many people, and it's only 20, so even if I didn't have the developer thing, you know, it's 20 bucks right now, which to me is a steal for, for all of the stuff that it offers. So, Hey John, I want to, uh, I want to take a minute before we get into the questions here, and I want to talk about our first sponsor of the show, which is Harry's at harrys.com. Now, Harry's, uh, they sell some of the best razors and shaving gear that I've ever used. And, and I, I am, uh, they converted me. I was a, an electric razor guy for decades, basically since I, you know, since I was in college, certainly. Uh, and, and then they came on board as a sponsor and they sent me a kit and man, I, I, and I had used, you know, occasionally if my razor was like, you know, discharged or whatever, I'd always had like razors from the drugstore or whatever that I could use. And sometimes I'd do that because it, even those would get a little closer than my, than my, you know, electric would. But man, the first time I used these Harry's razors, I was sold because they're, here's what they did. They looked and they said, you know, you can go to the drugstore and you can buy crappy razors and spend 25 bucks. And so they figured out how to sell you not crappy. And these are, in fact, they're better than not crappy. They're outstanding blades. And they're uh, and their their shave uh, cream is, is like it's like silk in your fingers. I love this stuff. They have a gel, a foaming gel and a shave cream. You can pick either one when you get a set. And here's the deal. You know, you can get these sets for like 15 bucks if you go to harrys.com and uh, and, you know, you just you go and you 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 order a, a set and uh, and you're good to go. Uh, the Truman sets 15 bucks. Well, coupon code shave five off from us here at Mac Geek Gab in partnership with Harry's gets you five bucks off and free shipping. So the Truman set, which comes with a bl- with a, a handle, three blades, which are going to last you a while. These blades for me last forever uh hopefully people are you know needing to replace them often enough to keep harry's in business because these blades are awesome so it comes it comes with that the three blades and then uh and then uh either gel or or the cream i like the cream i really really like the cream the gel's good too don't get me wrong uh it's really nice gel the cream is just something a little bit special but right now because of the month we're in here with june just having started it's Father's Day month, and so they have a Father's Day set, too. And, uh, you know, the thing is, think about all the stuff that your dad taught you as you were growing up. Uh, and, I mean, I, if I think of my dad, and I actually saw my dad last night. He was at the, uh, at the, at the Flink Fest that I mentioned. I mean, my, my dad taught me a ton. I, I, wouldn't be, I certainly wouldn't be the person I was today without, uh, without my dad uh, and his guidance, and I'm sure you're in the same boat. Um, and... So they have a Father's Day shave set. And so now, you know, your dad, if you're a, if you're a man, your dad probably taught you how to shave. Mine certainly did. Uh, but if, if, you're, if you're female and your dad didn't teach you how to shave, he probably taught you a lot of other things. Well, now's your chance to give back. They have a really, really nice set um, for Father's Day. It's a $40 set. comes in a really nice box. Uh, it's got a razor stand. I mean, it's really, really nice. You got to check this out at harrys.com. And it's 40 bucks, but 
shave five off, 35 bucks for you, and, yep, free shipping. So you got to check this stuff out. It's really good. They know what they're doing there. And uh, the folks at Harry's have been great to us here. They're friends of ours here at Mac Geek Gab, and they should be friends yeah. of yours, too. Check them out. Uh, yeah, that's right, John. You use the stuff, too. So check them out at, uh, at harrys.com, and, uh, and the coupon code is shave, the number five, off. Get it? Shave five off the price. Wow. You get that little twist there that we put in? All right, harrys.com, shave five off. Thanks very much. Well, uh, did they? Harry's. Now, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, Dave, they have five blades in their. Uh, in, in, in their yes. In their, yeah. In the, in the uh, cartridges, five blades. I that's wonder right, if that's John. a coincidence because, yeah, I mean, some people think that's a gimmick, but I don't because, yeah, I still use it. Even I'm though sold. I use a trimmer, I, uh, five blades does the trick. The single blade things that you get at the store, no. you know, the cheapies. I mean, if you don't cut up your face with them. <laughs> right. I've never, never had an injury. Uh, from a Harry's razor, and and I don't think I ever will. So uh. yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, sweet. All right, let's uh, let's move on here and let's take a gander at what Bruce had to say. Uh, this is good stuff. Yeah, why don't you take it? Introduced it me, Dave, to uh, so I actually got in touch with uh, some people that I haven't been in touch with for a while. So um, what does Bruce have to say? Bruce says, "Hi guys, I have a project where I have a drive with about fifty thousand files on it." I have another drive that has some of those same files, but also a lot of other files, all buried several layers deep. I need to end up with a single copy that contains all the files without duplicates. Doing this manually would take a really long time. Yes, it would. Any suggestions of best tools to use? Thanks so much. And I'm going to say, Dave, the, the best tool for this, and actually I revisited it uh, recently, and, and I'm quite happy with what I saw. And you may be surprised with what I saw. But I would say, Dave, the best tool on the Mac to deal with this sort of thing is a program called TidyUp from Hyperbolic Software. Um, I don't know if, if you've used it recently, Dave. Uh, but we, we got a, a copy, I think, in a goodie bag of TidyUp 3. They're not up to version 4 of TidyUp, but you can certainly still use TidyUp 3. But I would say that is... Uh, the best tool to deal with any sort of duplicate. And and it doesn't just... So it offers a whole bunch of search criteria. So you can certainly compare folders and have it identify duplicates, but not only does it do that, Dave, but it also has some specialized... And, and we'll talk... Uh, I saw the agenda. You were very clever. Um, it has some specialized uh, identification abilities, which I think we'll we'll go into more detail shortly. Um, but I think that's the best tool to start looking at um, to deal with a, a task of, of this magnitude, especially with 50,000 files. Because, yeah, I mean, doing it manually is insane. You're, 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 yes, you could write a script or automator or something, maybe, but it, it, it's crazy. You, you, you want to go to somebody who has thought long and hard about how to do this. Um, what I like, Dave, is actually, so I fired up, so I have a tidy up three and a, Actually, I ran it. And, uh, you know, so one, it gives you a number of options for what criteria you want to use to uh, identify duplicates, whether it be just the name or the contents or, or all sorts of other things. But it actually surprised me, Dave, because when I ran TidyUp3, it said, oh, you want to look at your Aperture library, John, for uh, duplicates? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good about managing my Aperture library. I don't have any duplicates. Well, you know what? I ran it, Dave. And it said, 
well, you know what, John? You actually do have some duplicates. <laughs> I'm like, really? So I got to I got to look it, into that. Was further. it right? Yes, it was correct. Wow. Yeah, but but the number, uh, but the second thing, Dave. Uh, uh, so application specific, and you and I have been talking about this as a lot of people have, because a lot of people are shaking their fist or thanking Apple for coming up with photos. But so, uh, tidy up three, which you can still get and is still a, a perfectly fine program to use. But tidy up four, Dave. So it not only can identify duplicates in Aperture and iPhoto, but guess what other program it can identify duplicates in? Photos. Of course. So oh, nice. if you want to pay the extra dough. Um, so yeah, uh, the, uh, off the top of my head, that is the program to, to deal with. Uh, the first program to look at for, for identifying duplicates and, and eliminating them. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I did a, a quick follow-up. So Drive Genius does have a duplicate detector. Uh, it works. I, I, I would say, I mean, I'm, I'm not bashing ProSoft. Uh, I, I don't think it's as full-featured as TidyUp, but, but yep. it's there. So if you have Drive Genius um, or you're considering purchasing it, that's one of the features that it does offer. But, but I really got to say that you know, TidyUp is, is the way to go on the Mac for, for finding those duplicates in a number of different programs. And again, we'll, we'll talk about some more features uh, shortly. Nice. Good. Nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cody Chandler in the chat room at MacGeekGab.com slash stream also su suggests Pathfinder 7 has this feature as well. Um, or maybe it had it before. Actually, I'm seeing a note from 2009 uh, that Pathfinder 6 had it as well. Um, so, the or maybe, may, no, that was a vote. Uh, never mind. It was a vote to add it to Pathfinder 6, and so it was added to 7. So there you go. Yeah. I'm... <sighs> I, I don't think either of us are, are Pathfinder users, Dave. I, so they, I don't think I ever have been. They recently sponsored TMO Daily Observations. And, oh, okay. uh, and so he, being on the show and hearing uh, Jeff talk about it while I was, you know, a, a guest on the show made me revisit it. And man, it is, it's fantastic. I don't have it on my, on my laptop here. I didn't think to put it on um, my laptop before I left, but I have it on my machine in the office. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, it's it's like the Finder Pro. It's what it. Okay, be. I always the, the, to me, I always perceived it as kind of a yeah, a, a Finder, a, a very good Finder enhancement. Yeah, and it's like Finder Plus, kind of like I like. Yeah, you know, Finder uh, Plus. My yeah, favorite exactly. is, I mean, uh, my favorite is Total Finder, and I don't think Total Finder, uh, you know, Total Finder is kind of light. I mean, it offers a lot of things, but yeah. I, I think Pathfinder offers more. So yeah, I'll have to. Give it a whirl. Yeah, or, you got to you know, check it out. Be beg them, beg them for a code. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure talking about it here on the show is not going to hurt you. Yep. Um, all right. So uh, we have a second question, and we have more than two. Good news. Uh, Mike writes, I hope you can help me with a problem with my iTunes library. It's located on my boot drive and uh, in its normal folder. The size is 295 gigs. Sometime in the past, I copied this folder to my second hard drive named HD2. When I look there, the size is 262 gigs. Drive Genius is telling me that uh, that hard drive has, that the hard drive too has some bad sectors and needs to be reformatted. When I look at the dates of the iTunes files on hard drive two, some are recent, like today or just a few days ago. I'm concerned that if I wipe out hard drive two, it will affect my main iTunes library, considering the dates that I saw on the files. 
Why would there be a size difference between both libraries? Is there any way I can merge the libraries before I wipe out hard drive too? So uh, you're, you're, you're right to be concerned. It sounds like iTunes is looking there. The way you can tell is a couple of ways. Number one, go into iTunes, go into preferences. Uh, I believe it's advanced. I'm not going to launch it on my laptop because it's doing a lot of work right now. Anyway, recording the show, but uh, I think it's advanced, John, or iTunes. Uh, I think it's in advance where you can set the the location of the iTunes library. Take a look there and just see what it says. See if it says your home folder or if it says hard drive O2. If it says your home folder, that's good news. We're heading down the path of good news because it's pointing there. Then what you want to do is go to that hard drive two and take a look and and find out what files it's saying were modified recently. And if it's a specific song, what you're going to do is go into iTunes and get info on iTunes version of that song. Take a look at the file path there because that's going to point you to where the file exists in iTunes world. And it's possible that for whatever reason, and it could be one of a variety of reasons, iTunes is pointing to, even though the library is meant to be stored in your home folder, it's pointing there. But if either of those things, either the the library in general is pointing there or those specific files that you know have been updated recently on that drive, if that's pointing there, then yes, you do want to make sure that you save those files if you don't have them in both places. So merging or at least copying files uh, from your original is a, is a good move before formatting, right? Because uh, you need to, you need to deal with that. Although I will say uh, if a drive has bad sectors, I'm not convinced that reformatting it is in your best interest. Spaces. I'm going to back you up on that. I, I, yeah. I, I wanted to interrupt you and I'm going to interrupt you, Dave, because seems like once it. you, yeah. Once you get bad sectors, uh, the only time that I've seen that or, or recently that I've seen that is on, on my Synology, where the Synology basically reported, um, yeah, we, we got some I.O. errors on, uh, on the OneDrive that I'm you know, taking care of. Uh, just thought you'd like to know. And as soon as I saw that, Dave, I, I took the drive, pulled it out. Well, I did a smart analysis because smart. All right. So smart, which is a monitoring utility uh, or technology can tell you up or down whether a drive is good or bad. And a lot of times it doesn't do a very good job, but it can also give you a whole list of parameters of all sorts of errors um, that have occurred on the drive. And once I dug in and looked at this specific drive, there were tons of, I think it was read errors or write errors, or whatever parameter, because Synology lets you do that too. And I'm like, okay, taking the drive, packing it up, send it to WD saying, guys, it's in warranty, it's busted. And they were like, okay, and they replaced it. So yeah, as soon as you get a drive reporting any sort of what I'll call hard errors like that, either I/O errors or you know what what, what was this reported as? Uh, he bad said sectors. bad sectors. Yeah, yeah, bad sectors, I/O errors, anything like that. As soon as a drive starts reporting that, that drive is dying, yeah. in my humble opinion. And you should get the data off as quickly as possible and toss it. Uh, or send it in for warranty <laughs> and get another one. I, I, I'm with you. But I just wanted to stress that, Dave, because that's uh, I would not reformat a drive that reports bad sectors. That, that to me, is a bad strategy. I, 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 yeah, I mean, you got to be careful of it. I, I 
like I said before you interrupted, but, but what you said is, is basically without, <laughs> no, it was, I mean, it's, it, we're, we're in lockstep on this. If it's reporting bad sectors consistently, get away from it. If it reports them once, I will give the drive a second chance as long as the data that I have on it is somewhere else. Right. And, uh, okay. and so reformatting, that's not, if you, if it's to the point drive should be able to recover on their own from having bad sectors, right? Drives always have, and SSDs are this way too. It's a little bit different on the technology, but uh, drives always have extra blocks that they can auto remap to, right? So if one goes bad, they just say, oh, we'll use that one. And and so if it if, if you can get past it and it doesn't report bad sectors again, then you're fine um, for a while. All drives will die at some point. So that's important to know. But if if it's consistently reporting them, or if you feel like you have to reformat to to get past that, yeah, don't do it. Drives are cheap; just get another one. Uh, but like you said, getting your data off, and and you could I, I don't know if tidy up is the right utility. I kind of had it earmarked here, but uh, I don't know if it's the right utility to merge two folders together. Um, Pathfinder actually might be a, a better one to look at, but. Um, but tidy up. I mean, I think it could do it. You, you, yeah, it gets, it gets dicey. Really, what you want to do is actually have iTunes do it. Um, point iTunes at a new music folder, or 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 point it. Yeah. Oh, this is it. Point iTunes at your at your local um, hard drive. You know your your home folder, and then I am going to open iTunes because I want to get this right for you. Uh, and it and I hope I don't ruin the world for all of us so in itunes you can i believe it's in the file menu now you go to file come on itunes don't make me uh and and go to library and go to organize library and say consolidate files check both of those boxes in other words if you if you can it, it might be that you can't check the second one because it's already done but check that first box that says um, consolidate files. That's going to move everything into your local iTunes folder or whatever you have set as your main iTunes folder. Uh, it will copy the data into that. And then you'll know, okay, everything that iTunes knows about is in this folder. And now you can go and delete the drive. That's the best way to merge them. Absolutely. Good. Problem solved. All right. All right. Great. That's how we go. It's a little weird doing this from the uh, laptop, John, but that's okay. We'll get there. We'll get there. Hey, I want to talk about Casper. Uh, no, not the ghost, although Casper is my favorite ghost. Uh, I want to talk about Casper, the mattress company. They, uh, man, you want to talk about people that know what they're doing. Uh, the folks at Casper decided that it's insane that you go for uh, four minutes and lay on a mattress in a showroom in your clothes and uh, without any covering or anything on the bed and you decide, yep, that's the one I want to buy. And then you buy it and you spend like 1500 bucks and they bring it to your house like three weeks later when it's really convenient for them. And, uh, and, and then you, that's it. You know, you have this mattress that you tested for four minutes. They thought that was insane. And you know, when you say it like that, it's insane. 
why have we been doing this for decades, buying mattresses? Well, it's because Casper hadn't existed yet. So here's the deal. What Casper does is they make killer premium memory foam mattresses. I mean, these are awesome. It's actually a combination of memory foam and latex foam. I have one of these at the house. Um, the memory foam makes the mattress super comfortable in terms of uh, fit and support. And the latex foam uh, is an outer layer that keeps things cool because sometimes memory foam can make you kind of hot and sweaty. Well, the latex foam in between there dissipates that heat and really makes it super comfortable. Uh, it, it's, it's awesome. And, and they really do a good job with it. And here's the thing. You don't go to a showroom to buy a Casper mattress. You go to casper.com slash MGG. And, uh, and then that'll show you that you can use the coupon code MGG to save 50 bucks off of their already really, I think they're pretty low prices, to be honest. We'll talk, we'll talk about that in a minute. But you order the mattress, and it shows up at your house. And it's actually, it, their box is awesome. You're, the, they will fit a king-size mattress into a box that you can move through any doorway in your home. And then when you get it in there, you open the box. It's, it, it, it takes all of about four minutes to pop everything open, and then the mattress pops out. And within 90 seconds, the mattress has uh, you know, kind of poofed up into its normal form, and you're, you're ready to go to sleep at that point, if you like. Uh, these mattresses are super comfortable and come with a 100-day free return policy. So that's the thing, is you don't have to do four minutes in the store. You do a hundred days in your house sleeping like you normally use a mattress, you know, not laying on it in your clothes in the middle of the day while there's a zillion people running around. Uh, you do it at home, like in a normal way. And, uh, and if you don't like it, they will come and get it at no charge to you. So this is what you want to do. You want to go to casper.com slash MGG and, uh, and the prices are cheap. Uh, you know, you want to, let's start with the most expensive one, 950 bucks for a king size mattress. You shave 50 bucks off of that with that coupon code MGG, right? So now it's 900 bucks. You want a queen, 850, take 50 bucks off. It's 800 bucks. Uh, you know, you want a twin size, 500 bucks. You want to take 50 bucks off of that? Use coupon code MGG. You can do that too. So now you're 450 bucks. These are great killer mattresses. And, uh, and the, the folks at Casper really know what they're doing there. So you got to check it out. I, they, they're obsessive. They're like we are, except they're making mattresses. So they're obsessive about the way they make these things. <laughs> they make it so it's just the right sink, just the right bounce. And, uh, and with coupon code MGG, you save 50 bucks and free shipping. So they're, they're making mattresses that are great quality mattresses, but they're selling them in a way that appeals to people like us, you know, geeks. So you got to check it out. This is uh, Casper at uh, casper.com slash MGG and uh, coupon code MGG saves you 50 bucks off the mattress. All right, John, let's see. Wow. Uh, let's see where we go next. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Tom, I guess, is where we're going. Tom? Here. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, Tom has a, a good amount of stuff and I have some follow up. So, uh. yeah. So Tom, uh, Tom is, is hitting the trifecta or the triple crown if we're going to be. Um, Triple Crown, what American Pharaoh? Uh, I heard that that happened yesterday. So yeah, yeah. wow. Actually, it yeah, happened while we were horses. setting up for the gig. Yeah, yeah. whatever. All right. I don't so Tom has two questions and a tip. Yeah, I don't follow it either. I, I um, well, I'm not going to get into it. All right. So Tom says, 
Uh, I have two questions and a tip. First question. I have a 21 and a half inch mid 2010 iMac that I recently blew out the vents with a can of air. Unfortunately, now there is what looks like dust behind the glass of the screen. Is this something that can be easily remedied myself or should I take it in? Okay, well, we'll, we'll I'm going to read everything and then we'll answer your questions. Second question. I've been using the Perian plugin, P-E-R-I-A-N, on my Macs uh, for many years. It's a QuickTime plugin. I've recently found out that it's no longer being supported. That's true. Will it hurt anything leaving Perian installed? And finally, a tip. So you folks get the tip before you hear the answers to the questions. The tip is, a couple episodes back, you mentioned starting up a Mac under verbose mode by holding down Command V. Well, during my latest Onyx maintenance routine, I dug around and noticed an option to boot into verbose mode automatically. I included a screenshot of where to find it. He says, being a geek, I love watching the booting process, and now I can watch it all the time. So you go into parameters inside Onyx, and you go to login, and uh, and at the bottom of that uh, that screen is a startup mode dropdown, and you can put it into verbose mode so that you can always see all the stuff scrolling across the screen. You know, that's not a bad idea. I mean, it's it's going to go by quickly, What's nice is you get a feel for what's there. And if there's ever a problem and you start up in verbose mode, you will see what that problem is because maybe you'll notice a difference between what you see normally and this. So for us geeks, that's a good thing. All right. Now on to your questions. Oh, wait. No, no, no. Oh, no. no All wait. right. Yeah. No, you got to wait because Dave, you may ask yourself, what is happening when they do this? And and it. Well, we talked about interest. that, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just want to offer this as yeah, an no, additional tip here. Yeah. So what is actually happening when they do this? And what is happening is that, so there's something on the Mac called NVRAM. And actually, if you go into the terminal and you type man NVRAM, I believe that is the command, it'll tell you about a boatload of options. So what this verbose thing, so actually what Onyx is doing is underneath the covers issuing an NVRAM command saying boot dash args equals uh, double quote dash V close double quote. The thing is, what I want to point to, and I found probably one of the better articles about this is a CNET article uh, from, oh, from our buddy here, Topher Kessler. Man, he's, I got to meet the guy someday. (laughs) I see so many articles from him. Um, But the thing is, there are so many more things that you can do. And I put it in our chat room and we'll put it in the lovingly handcrafted show notes, Dave. But there are so many boot arguments that you can do and they are stored again in the Mac's NVRAM. So not only can you specify verbose mode, but you can specify booting into safe mode, uh, booting into single user mode. And then there's a whole slew, I'm not even going to go into the detail here, of all sorts of other things you can do here. One that kind of shocked me is that you can actually set the maximum amount of memory that the Mac sees. So be careful here. So so it's powerful. Onyx gives you a safe way to do this, but there are ways where if you want to dig deeper, you can do that as well. So number one, read this article. Number two, do a man page, uh, go into terminal, do a man NVRAM. And uh, you may be, if you're geeky, you may be surprised at all the things you can do here. Sweet. Good stuff, man. All right. So now, uh, if I can get back to Topher's question. Uh, as for the screen. You mean Tom. Uh, Tom. Tom. Sorry. Yeah, Topher Tom. didn't write. That's right. Tom. <laughs> yeah, man. See, dude, 
four hours of sleep. Jet lag. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. No, I don't even think jet lag has kicked in yet. This is just lack of sleep. Uh, uh, yeah. Right. But anyway, uh, Topher, uh, Tom. Hey, I'm Dave. How you doing? Uh, <laughs> Hi, Dave. This is <laughs> Hi, John. John. <laughs> What's going on, man? Pleasure to meet you. Okay, let's talk about Tom. Oh, hey, yeah, I remember Tom. You know, uh, so the screen with the dust behind it, it's really easy to take that off as long as you use suction cups. It, it's its actually pretty cool. You get these suction cups, you put them in the opposite corners of the screen, and you you pop it off. It's held on by magnets, and it's got little little pins to keep them in, and it, it comes off really easily. Be aware that you're pulling off a large sheet of glass, so think about where you're going to put it after you take it off. You can take the glass off and and put it face down or uh, face up with the suction cups up because those little pins, it will sit on it and it, it won't uh, crush under its own weight. So, But just be aware that you're going to have this large piece of glass. Uh, I mean, it's a 21 and, you know, 21 and a half inch uh, diagonal piece of glass. Uh, it's easy to take off. Uh, but here's the thing. Once you take it off, you actually have two glass surfaces that you have to clean the dust off of before you put it back. Number one is the inside of that screen that you just took off the outer, the outer layer. Uh, the other is the actual screen of your machine. So, so this outer layer is really a protective layer, I guess. Um, and so you have to clean the inside of that before you put it back on and your actual screen, which is right behind it. This is a process that I've been through it um, more often than I want. My daughter and I have gotten very good at it. Um, you use, uh, I, I use a, I, I wet a paper towel, like, like make it damp uh, or a cloth is actually better than paper towel and go through and just get like the bulk of the dust off. And then you kind of want to polish it. So you're not leaving streaks. And I'm, this is the same for both surfaces. And then you hold your breath so that you're not blowing any dust around in the room and you use the suction cups to put it back on. And then you inspect and you've gotten it wrong. There's still a speck of dust. So you pull it off and you wipe it clean and then you put it back on and you still got it wrong. You got to pull it off again. Now, uh, I asked the geniuses at the, uh, at the genius bar at the Apple store at the last time I had one of my IMAX and how they did this. And they use a silicon roller to get these, to get the dust off, which is probably a much better thing. Yep. I think that you can get them from Amazon for like 10 or 15 bucks. I'm going to get one. Uh, but here's the secret I'm going to tell you. I put one of my screens back on, on one of my 21 and a half inch iMacs with a ton of dust behind it. Cause I wanted to test this computer. We were having some problems with it and I figured I'm not going to go through the, the headache of dealing with this until I know that it's, it's going to survive and, and we want to keep it and then I'll just pop it off again. There's no screws. You just pull it right off. It's magnets. And I still haven't cleaned it because even with all that dust in there that I saw with my own two eyes with the, uh, with the power off, and I can still see when I turn the power on, I don't see it. Now that's not going to be the case with every bit of dust and particle back there. There's going to be some that it, like in your case, Tom, that you're going to see and you got to clean those off, but you don't have to be as obsessive as you might think, or at least that's what I've learned. So, so that's question number one to add to that. Yeah, go <clears throat> number one. I would strongly discourage anybody from, <sighs> I'm not a big fan of using compressed air to to service computers, Dave. I would much rather, and personally, when I have to remove dust from something, I much prefer to use a brush versus compressed air. 
problems I see with compressed air, number one, you can kind of lose control in that it, it you know it's crazy. Number two, uh, when it's coming out because it's compressed air, uh, it, it, it's cold and it may thermally impact the surface that you're affecting. So, uh, I personally would would much prefer one using a brush versus compressed air to clear dust out of something. Okay, that's just me. Yeah, I, I, I don't know your feelings. Number two, well, I I have uh, this- I have humidity. I have moisture free breath, so I can just blow on any electronic and I'm able to clean it without yeah, risking anything. Outstanding. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it's great. Yep. It's a gift. Number two, um, as far as the iMac, the only, uh, the caution I will add so actually, uh, you, you've worked on them, and also I have with my pal Duffy. We actually, uh, his, uh, uh, I just saw him today. So his wife's uh, computer, we, you know, popped it open. The only thing I would caution people about, so in, adi- in addition to your caution, Dave, is that you're dealing with a big piece of glass, and glass can be sharp, is uh, also my uh, my friend Jody, who I uh, who I think listens, and uh, I talk to her every now and then, and she does a computer service, is you also have sharp metal edges. Be very careful, once you have your iMac open, that you don't cut yourself and bleed to death. Seriously, there are sharp edges that you want to be very careful of. So uh, you can certainly work on the iMac and, you know, go to a iFixit or another. Uh, and, and they probably warn you about this already. But just be careful when you go in an iMac. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's it's brilliant in the way that they put it together with the magnets and stuff like that. But, you know, if it can be, you got to be careful working on these things. It's, uh, and that that's all I'm going to add there. That's all you're going to say, isn't it? Sweet. All right. For now. Uh, oh, as far as Parian goes, Tom, I yeah, it, it's been deprecated. I think certainly pre Yosemite, it was deprecated. Uh, Parian is a, a collection of of QuickTime plugins to uh, to allow QuickTime to process videos of uh, of different types that that it doesn't natively mm-hmm. process. Um, that that whole project has been abandoned and and end of life uh you can keep running it um, if it's not causing you any trouble and if it begins causing you trouble then uh stop running it but yeah uh, I, there are people that i know of that are still running it and it's it's running fine so so you're i mean you're okay for now but it's probably uh, best to move on from it so uh, personally dave i gotta say that i actually tossed it because it's unsupported and uh, to avoid it fighting with other things. I actually, again, tossed that on both my machines here and I've used other things. So of course, Perian would let you play non Apple video formats. And I don't know if you want to offer something here, but uh, right now I use flip for Mac. Uh, I mean, the only renegade here. So, so the major video types that I deal with are QuickTime, which of course Apple supports Flash, which of course you can play, and then you have the WMV or the Windows Media, and and for that I use Flip for Mac, uh, which now I think they actually you know want to squeak a little money out of you to to play that back. Though I think the other option, Dave, is uh, VLC. I guess would yeah, that, be the other option. That's what I to use. Play those. I use VLC, okay. and it's. I mean, VLC is fantastic. Um, so yeah, open source uh, yep. plays uh, almost every so. I guess the only reason I removed it, Dave, is because, again, it's unsupported. And once you get to future versions of the OS with something that worked on prior versions, um, you know, as we talked about, there's conflicts, there's cruft. 
and whatever. So I guess that's my advice on that is I, I, again, on all my machines, I've removed it because I don't want to start debugging period versus whatever conflicts. Yep. That's just me. And on iOS, you can't run plugins anyway. Uh, VLC has come and gone and come back again, I think. And they say it's going to be here now for the duration on iOS. But I, um, in the interim, while they were doing all their bouncing, I really got enamored with Infuse 3 or Infuse from Firecore. They're up to version 3 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's awesome for playing back videos that wouldn't otherwise play back really? in a native form on iOS. Oh. oh, it's so good. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, I'll I mean, it. It, it it processes in real time. It processes sound. So if you've got a, you know, if you, if you have a movie with only DTS sound on it and try to play it on iOS, you won't hear noise. I mean, just nothing. But if you play it on iOS inside of Infuse, you get all the sound. It, it does everything on the fly. It, they, they really know what they're doing. So, um, so that, that's my, that's my pitch there is, is, uh, is, is Infuse on iOS. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Moving on to Philip. Philip uh, says, following a tip from the podcast, I set up a number of text shortcuts via the keyboard bit of Yosemite in system preferences. They sync nicely to my iPhone. However, now I want to delete them, but I can't. If I delete them from the Mac, the iPhone pulls them back in and vice versa. It's driving me nuts. Any thoughts? Yeah. Welcome to iCloud. No, well, yes. Um, it, so here's the deal. Yeah, it, it iCloud syncing of things like this and even syncing of things like airport networks. I went through on my Mac and cleaned out a ton of airport networks that I wasn't knew I wasn't going to use and all that. And they all came back on all my platforms. I'd never want to connect to Logan Wi-Fi again. It's a disaster when I'm in the airport <laughs> if I try to check my email. <laughs> It, it tries to, it's like, oh, you, you're, you're on Logan Wi-Fi. It's like, no, I have more LTE data than I know what to do with, and I'm okay using it when I'm in Logan Airport. I well, just well, don't well, want to go through it. can't you just go to that part of, of system preferences and remove it from the list of preferred networks? That's what I said I did, didn't I? And it, and it, came, it comes back, and I go onto my phone, and I say, forget this network, and I guarantee you, <laughs> on Wednesday night, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. So this morning... You can tell that this is a hot topic for me today because I was trying to check my email or do something and it's like, oh, yada, yada, you got to watch this video. No, no, I, I, I'm going to turn off Wi-Fi. That's it. Wi-Fi's off uh, because I tried. I, and so I went in and I went into the system preference or uh, preferences on my, on my uh, uh, you know, on, on iOS. And uh, of course, you can't see it in there, you know, because they don't mm-hmm. let you see the whole list of networks, but you go to settings and if you if the network's there, you, you highlight it and you say, forget this network. You turn off auto join and all of that stuff. Yep. And then I guarantee it great. Two, when I'm there at midnight or 2 a.m. or whatever it is on Wednesday when my stupid plane lands after I've dealt with uh, being here all week or half the week, it's going to try and connect me again. I guarantee it. And there's just no way around it. So but anyway, uh, that's that, isn't it? But as far as your problem, uh, Philip, now that I've ranted about mine, um, here's the, here's what I have found. These on your Mac are stored in your home folder, library, mobile documents. Now, you also know this folder in your Finder sidebar as the iCloud folder. It is the iCloud Drive folder. It is where all of this stuff is stored. Uh, In talking about your keyboard shortcuts here. But there is a folder within that that is now obscured from you um, in the Finder. So you either need to use a Finder replacement like Pathfinder or 
you need to go to the terminal because the folder you want to look into is the com tilde apple tilde text input folder. And the only capitals in that are T and I in text input. Uh, the first T in text input, that is the other two remain low. So there's a lot of different ways of trying to, what you're going to do is you're going to delete uh, that folder or you can delete the, the, the uh, I think it's the database thing inside it, but you can delete the whole folder. It's fine. Uh, you want to delete it until it's, you want to kill it until it's dead because it will start to come back because again, these are synced everywhere. Uh, I've found for me, because I've been through this exact thing, disable iCloud drive on your Mac, then delete that uh, home library, mobile documents, com, Apple text input folder, then re-enable iCloud drive. Now this is where it gets weird. Go to your iPhone and just restart it. Don't, Try to mess around with anything. Just restart your iPhone. In theory, that will cause it to pull from the cloud as opposed to pushing to the cloud. When you edit this folder on your Mac, it will push the change to the cloud, meaning it's removed the folder. If you leave things alone, your phone is going to push its version back, and now you're stuck in this loop of everything coming back around. So that's that's the trick. But it can be tricky, and sometimes you got to do it six times to get it to, to work right. That's uh, that's what I got for you. It's a disaster. iCloud. Apple is bad at cloud syncing. And and we all, I mean, it, this is just a truth of the universe. They've tried it three different times under three different names at least. <laughs> right, and Mobile Me. Uh, um, was it Mobile Me first? No, it was Dot .Mac first. Ah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Then, it, then Mobile Me and now uh, iCloud. And it's the same crap, different name. And, uh, and there's no lipstick on this pig. It's just, it's bad. And it, it's just bad. It, listen, Apple's great. They made CalDAV. I could rant about CalDAV. I'm actually involved in this other project that's made me realize interesting things about how people interpret standards. But that's not Apple's fault. Um, they did great with CalDAV. It works great. Uh, they did great with CardDAV for syncing your contacts. Uh, mm -hmm. They're pretty decent with IMAP. Uh, certainly better than Google. Uh, but when it comes to syncing documents in the cloud... They have a flawed foundation there and a flawed belief of how that should be done, and it just doesn't work. But that's, you know. Yeah. Yep. It's, we just deal with it. It's fine. Some, it's, sometimes, it's fine. sometimes it does. And the thing is, I think sometimes they don't, they try to guess what you want. Because I've had times where I've had a device that I've logged, in, logged into using Wi-Fi, and then I have another device, and it logs in automatically. And I'm like, wow, that's what I wanted. <laughs> but sometimes yeah. it's not but sometimes it's not that's right yeah it, and it's fine it's just how it goes you know what what you mentioned though is interesting dave because i did what you suggested and i went into the terminal and oh my gosh the stuff in that directory that you don't see if you click on icloud drive is amazing yep. oh my gosh so yep. so for the geeks out there yeah go to your home directory uh the uh, uh, library mobile documents i think it is and you'll be shocked at the things that you see there if you go in the terminal versus the finder. It's a, a like you suggested. I, I looked at that and I'm like, why are they hiding this from me? Uh, maybe good reasons, maybe bad reasons. But um, back to you. Yeah, yeah. It's just it. it Apple has this belief that 
And it started with Steve Jobs that we don't need a file structure. We, the cloud should just be this magic thing that does what we want. And like you said, interprets or it guesses at our desires and fulfills them. And Lottie, Lottie, magic, sprinkle, fairy dust, unicorns. And it just <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> Not always. Not, no, it, the, the meth, it, sometimes it sinks what you want, but it, it, it's a, as a methodology, I believe it's just flawed. But it's okay. It keeps us in business here. It's all fine. Uh, I do, though, want to take the moment and speak highly, in fact, of our third sponsor for this show, which is Smile. Smilesoftware.com slash geek will always get you to the current promotion related to this show. Smile has been they – are they were the first company ever to sponsor this show almost 10 years ago. and really? Yep. Wow. And they have never stopped hear that clearly they have never stopped they're the only sponsor where that is true it's awesome we have great sponsor every single sponsor we have is fantastic smile they sit at the top of that list because of that so what we get to talk about this month is one of uh they they make the, the great part about smile and why it works for them to continually sponsor podcasts like this and they sponsor many is because they have so many great utilities so we can talk about different ones all the time pdf pen pro 7 is what we get to talk about this month. And uh and here's, you know, here's the thing. It it PDF Pen Pro is the advanced version of PDF Pen, which you've heard us talk about. That's, you know, the all-purpose PDF editor that Smile makes. Uh, it allows you to do all kinds of things. You can actually manipulate text in a PDF. You can um you can you can do all kinds of stuff. You can change pages around, you can add comments to it. You can even build PDFs from multiple documents. It's just awesome. So PDF Pen Pro does everything that PDF Pen does, like adding signatures, right? You know, which is something I take for granted with PDF Pen, and I use it constantly. I have a, a little library that has my signature, and then I've got another one that has my full name because usually when you sign something, they want you to print or type your name below it. And so I have both and I just drag them in and I'm done. I don't have to think about it. I save the document. I send it off. And of course, those sync from the Mac in my library to uh, to my iOS devices so I can sign contracts uh, from my iOS devices with my signature. And it's really easy and I don't have to think about it. So PDF Pen Pro does that too, in addition to everything else. Uh, and it'll export in Microsoft Word format. However, PDF Pen Pro add some features that you don't get in PDF pen. That's why they call it pro. Uh, it allows you to create interactive PDF forms, which are very cool. You've, you've filled out forms. You can do that in PDF pen. If you want to create forms for other people to fill out PDF pen pro is for you. You can build a table of contents with it. You can set document permissions in a PDF with PDF pen pro, and you can convert websites into multi-page PDFs. This is very cool. Uh, the new PDF Pen Pro version 7 adds easy editing of OCR text, scanned text that it then converts into editable text, uh, as well as you can export in not just Word, but Excel, PowerPoint, and PDF archive formats. So you got to check it out. Smilesoftware.com slash geek is where you're going to get all of that stuff. It'll sync your uh, PDFs with PDF Pen for I iPad and iPhone, and it uses iCloud Drive. And guess what? This part of iCloud Drive actually works. So you're going to be really happy about that. Uh, you can touch up OCRs. You know, if it scans it and it gets some text wrong, you can fix that. And you can, of course, export them into all 
kinds of things. So uh, PDF Pen Pro 7.1 can set tooltips for form fields. So when people float over it, they know what you want. It allows you to do all that stuff. So you got to check it out. PDF Pen Pro 7 requires Yosemite. Uh, check it out. Smilesoftware.com slash geek is the way to go. And that's uh, that's where we are with that. I guess, uh, I, you know, we, we talked about keyboard shortcuts, John, and uh, and I want to come back around to that because uh, we have uh, really we have. Well, we have a note from Bill that I believe will. Oh. Yeah, kind of comes back around. Bill writes, here's a supplement to your motto. Don't get caught. I had to reset my iPhone and was when all was said and done, my keyboard shortcuts were gone. I remembered somewhere hearing that there was a fix for this. So I set about Googling and I found suggestions to turn off predictive text on my iPhone, toggle iCloud drive on and off, sign in and out of iCloud, reset your, my iPhone, reset the factory, reset my iPhone. And of course, the obvious, which I tried first, add a new snippet and wait for iCloud to sync. That is actually a good piece of advice. It did not work for Bill uh, in, in this particular example, but that is excellent, excellent advice. Um forcing it to sync that particular set of data can often help. But in Bill's case, none of this worked. He said, this took up most of a very frustrating day at the end of which I was able, I was ready to yell at Apple support. But then it occurred to me that I don't have that many snippets. I mainly use one for my email address. So why was I going through all this pain? So I just re-entered the data on my phone and all was well. So he says his, uh, his corollary or perhaps addendum to don't get caught is don't be stupid. Don't spend a day trying to solve a problem that you can solve by simply typing in one line of data. But I get it, Bill. We, we have, we have all been there. You are in very good company. Welcome to the club. We have jackets. They want our technology to work the way it's supposed to work, not just work the way we need it to work. And sometimes that means wasting a day doing crazy things like you did. So, but his point is valid. Sometimes you just punt and solve the problem. That's what I got. What yeah. I got, Dave, is a final, is a final tip. Yeah, go. And I actually have it in my Twitter bio. Have you tried? Uh, uh, you and I have actually called it this, Toto. <laughs> Turn off turn on it makes me sad that that's the way to solve so many problems but sometimes that's what you got to do right yeah no. sometimes it is what you have to do yeah it is <clears throat> but again right. it makes me sad because that shouldn't be how you have to solve a problem power cycling is not the right way to solve a problem but sometimes it's the only way to solve a problem it, so, yeah that's right that's right if what we tell you to do doesn't work turn everything off and then turn it back on again and it'll work great. <laughs> uh, sure. That, that works. I want to, uh, I want to jump to Frank if that's okay, John. Oh, Frank. Frank here? Yeah. Oh, Frank. Frank is down. There. Oh, oh Frank says, okay. Yeah. I'm with Frank. I was wondering if you may be able to advise anything on the best method of securing my email. Specifically, what I mean is what cryptographic service provider you use. I've just opened an account with Komodo.com, and there appears to be a different number or a number of different options. Thanks for your work, as always. So what Frank means is 
where should he go and get his certificate from? And we'll put a link in the show notes. Allison Sheridan uh, at podfeet.com, of course, host of the Nozilla cast. Um, she put together a killer, killer uh, tutorial on the uh, on how to create and set up secure email for your um, for your for your Mac and and also for iOS. And as part of that process, uh, it, it, you what you do is you have to go and get a new um, uh, you have to get a certificate that allows you to secure your email. And Komodo is one provider. Start SSL is another. You can get them from GoDaddy, and some of these are free. In fact, the first two are definitely definitely allow free filter, free certificates. Uh, the GoDaddy, I don't believe they do, but but there's there's all kinds of them out there. And uh, but it it doesn't change anything about how your email is encrypted. So your email is being encrypted by your uh, computer. Uh, the the certificate that you're using to encrypt it, well, it does. It sets the uh, the level of encryption because you can say I want a thousand twenty four byte or a twenty forty eight byte key or a forty ninety six byte key. But other than that, it doesn't change much about uh, the encryption. It's still software on your computer that's doing it, and it's using a standard protocol to uh, to put it all together. S MIME is kind of the wrapper for that whole protocol. Um, but that's it, it doesn't matter where you get the certificate from. In fact, you could create your own certificate right in Apple's keychain utility. If you do that, the only problem is people that see your certificate uh, or see encrypted emails or signed emails from you will get a little note, most likely, saying that that certificate is not um, is, is not uh, is self-signed. Right. It, it's not tied to any certificate authority. So there's no way of saying it. it they, they essentially what it says is this email is signed with this certificate, but we have no way of proving that this certificate belongs to anyone in particular because it was created by someone that didn't go through a certificate authority. And what the certificate authorities let you do is they confirm your identity. And depending on the level uh, that you get, it usually for email certificates, they just email you the cert. So what they mean is, yes, the person that has this certificate has proven that they are able to get email at that account. Doesn't mean they're the only person to get email at that account, but they are at least one of them. Right. So, you know, it's worth getting a free cert, even though it means you got to recreate it every year. Uh, but that's that's all that means. So, it, no, it really doesn't matter who you get it from. Um, they're all the same in that sense. I hear you humming and hawing over there. So you're going to say something. I would have, well, I would have to disagree for individual usage. So if you're a John or a Dave or anybody in our chat room, hi guys, um, getting a free certificate from something, somebody like, like the, the one that I have, Dave, and I think you have, and I think you mentioned them is Komodo. Okay. They're, they're swell. I think they're they're over in the UK, if I'm not mistaken. They're they're across the pond there, and that's cool. And and as you said, the verification that they provide is okay. You apply for a certificate, we email you back a certificate, and if you respond accordingly, this confirms that you exist at this email. Though I would argue that uh, once you get beyond that, you may want to look at somebody 
Like, for example, now a number of years ago when I was doing the corporate thing, um, VeriSign was a, a big deal, and they're, they're still, I think, but they were acquired by Symantec. So if you're looking at deploying certificates and proving identity and all that great stuff for more people than yourself, you may want to look beyond, though Though I'm, cert, I'm, I'm sure Komodo offers these services, but I, I looked through Symantec's website, and they actually do offer um, management. And uh, so they offer email certs in addition to SSL certs, which you know are the same, but they're different. Um, but they also offer higher level services. So I would say, depending on your needs, if it's beyond proving I am who I say I am, then you may want to look, you may want to do a little bit more homework. That That's what I'm going to offer. Yeah, if you, right. I mean, if you're securing your own personal email, it doesn't, it just doesn't matter. It's like, you know, it just whoever offers a cert. Well, no, whoever offers a cert that has a certificate that is in Apple's keychain, which Komodo does and all that, and it doesn't bring up the self-signed alert, then yeah, I'm, I'm with you. But if you're yeah. going beyond that, especially on an enterprise level, then you may want to want to spend a little time researching who offers these services. Totally agree. Be, yeah, whether it be, uh, and again, I'm, I'm sure Komodo does, though if you're a U.S. business, you may not want to deal with, you may want to do, the, you may not want to do this with a business that is not based in the U.S. Right, so, um, right, right. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, it was great. I mean, he sent us an email and it came into our, you know, MackieGab email box and it came in as encrypted and it didn't set off any alerts. And we're like, okay, well, you you made a good choice, yeah. Frank. Was I think I think we use Komodo for ours as well, John. So Yeah, we do. And yeah. the only thing we have to do, and that's why I suggest, so if you're looking for, you know, services beyond the the only downside, Dave, I mean, you know, for, for us, it works great. But the only thing is you and I have to remember that we have to renew them around August because they expire. Right. And then and then when that happens, anything we send to people will bring up a flag in in almost any email program saying, oh, well, by the way, the person that sent you this, their cert is expired and yeah. you may not want to trust them. And, and, so. and at that point, it's a pain in the neck for us because not, not only do we have to renew the cert, one of us does, only one of us does, which is important. <laughs> um, and so we need to coordinate, but John and I are pretty good at that. Uh, and then we have to share it with, with each other, hopefully not with anyone else so that you folks aren't out there sending email signed as you know feedback or premium at com. And then, uh, and then we have to remember to put it on all of our computers, right? Because it's it, you know, it, every computer needs a different one. So it's but it's fine. It it works great. You know, the other way to do it is to go and get uh, GPG tools for Mac and and secure your email that way. But the the issue with that is every certificate with with PGP, which is what GPG tools uses, is self signed. So that's one issue with that, and and so you need to just trust. Which is, I think, a better way of doing it, to be honest. Uh, but you just need to trust or get the certificate from someone in a way that you trust that it really came from them. Uh, so that's one problem with with using PGP on the Mac. The other yeah. is that it's not natively supported by any Apple product. So if you put your certs on your iPhone, which you and I have, John, we can get encrypted email to our iPhones from for our <laughs> Mac GeekGab accounts and read them there. GPT PGP support is a pain in the ass on ios I'm yeah sure. you've got it right be very blunt no you've got to you've got to copy the text of the message move into a different 
you know, client app on iOS and, and cause there's no plugin, right. You know, on, on the Mac GPG tools is essentially a plugin for, for mail. And it sort of does all this stuff yeah. in, in the background and it works great. It's, it's awesome. It's fun. But uh, on iOS and I've done it, Pete occasionally sends me pilot Pete. How you doing pilot mm. Pete? I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, he occasionally sends me PGP encrypted stuff and it's like, ah, oh, dude, then I have to jump over and it's okay. It's fine. I have our PGP keys and it's all fine. All right. One, so, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, we'll, the, we'll jump to Todd. I mean, all right. So so the difference between the two models. So S-MIME, the thing is, all right, so we talked about the self-signed thing. The thing is, if you have a cert that's signed by somebody that Apple knows about, then everything's pretty cool. The um, the thing to be aware of, and you know, we'll, we'll find an article that we did a while ago, or Allison's thing, um, PGP is more of a circle of trust model, which I would say, Dave, is that, uh, rather than looking to a higher power like Komodo or whoever signing something and then the computer saying, yeah, this is okay, PGP or GPG relies on you kind of inherently trusting or marking in your keychain, okay, I trust that this thing I got from Dave Hamilton is Dave Hamilton, so I'm going to mark it as trusted. And, and So it's a different model, and and actually I think you were suggesting, I kind of like that model better because sometimes some of these guys don't do a very good job of authenticating who, who cert they sign. Um, whereas if it's a, if it's a model of individuals, um, so I guess all I'm saying is a PGP, uh, consider it as an option. But, uh, again, I think it's not very well supported on the Mac on, on Mac OS 10. It is on iOS. I really think it isn't. And, uh, oh, I totally agree. Yeah, you have to buy third-party software to to make it yeah, work right, and, and it yeah. kind of sucks. So, yeah. but it, even even the S MIME support, Dave, in iOS, uh, last I checked, is still not that great. Sometimes I have certs on my iPhone, Dave, and I try to send you something encrypted, and it's like, oh, oh sending, sending, uh, yeah, receiving like, well, what encrypted. Are you, what, on and the I'm like, wait, no, no. I'm like, I have Dave's cert in my profile, and I try no, to send you something work. encrypted, and it's like, who's Dave Hamilton? And yeah, I'm like, you can't. It doesn't What's work. wrong with you? It they, they still haven't fixed it. No. Maybe you know what? At WWDC, it, you know what you should do, John. Uh, you have you're a you're a uh, registered developer. File a bug. Uh, you know what? You're at WWDC. I'm Shake not. your fist. No, no, no. I'm, I'm I don't have a, a ticket for WWDC. Well, you should go in there anyways and shake your fist and say, "Guys, can you fix S MIME on iOS, please?" They won't let me. I'd like you to do that. They won't let me in. They, they, uh, come on, dude. They actually Dave won't Hamilton. let me in. Yeah, that's okay. why. That's part of why they won't let me in. Todd, <laughs> save us from this. Hi, John and Dave. Dave and John. This is Todd from Northern California, Rockland, and I have a question about Apple Mail. When I am using Apple Mail, I uh, sometimes am going through my my inbox or my unread box, and I am deleting or archiving. Uh, mails so quickly that it's it seems like the system doesn't have time to figure out that I have quote unquote read the mail and so I end up having all of these unread unread records unread mails in both my archive box and in my deleted uh, deleted file or deleted area so my question is is there some sort of way I don't know if mail act on or something else that I can use that would make it so that if a if a mail is put into a certain mailbox it is automatically marked as read. 
Thanks, guys. I appreciate the show. This is where you cut me off. All right. Thanks, Todd. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's a way of having the mailbox that it is in be the trigger for that. However, uh, I think you're right that mail act on is the right way to do this. Because what you can do right now, you have, say, the, you know, mail's archive function that, that just lets you put things in your archive. But mail act on lets you create a script or a, a rule that is a series of steps. And one of those steps can be to mark a message as read. So you can mark it as read and then file it in your archive. And that might be the way to do it. But I will say this. It's mail.app that we're talking about here. And it has gotten very sucky in this regard lately. It, it, I've been having this problem uh, with mail app too. Yeah. Yeah. That's an official term. Uh, it, it, it just, I, I, it constantly is leaving things unread. If you open up, if you go to the window menu in mail and, and go to, uh, activity, it will show you what mail is up to. And it often has like, you know, about 4 billion IMAP connections open at any one time, sometimes 3 billion if it's a light day. And, uh, and and because of that, the server just starts rejecting uh, information from it. And a lot of times, what happens is when it's changing flags, which is what is, which is where the red and unread status are stored, it just it just does away with those. And and so you're back to when it finally resyncs with the server, the server says, "Oh no 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 no, that message is is unread." And so it it does that for you. So you try it with Mail Act on. That would be the right thing. Um, I had a conversation with Scott at. Um, mail act on recently about this exact mm -hmm. problem unrelated to what you're talking about todd it was just you know yet another issue and and he and i both shared similar um non-show friendly sentiments about uh, mail app and mm -hmm. and where it has gotten especially with regards to talking to imap service so mail act on would be the right thing but i'm still not convinced mail Mail should send that message and is sending that message. It's just probably doing it in a way that it's it, it should batch things more. Thunderbird is a mail client uh, that is a third-party mail client. It's created by the Mozilla Foundation, the people that make Firefox. And one of the settings in there that I think mail really needs to let us tweak, either with a a you know a terminal like a defaults command from the terminal or or with a menu widget, is the number of simultaneous uh, IMAP connections that it will create to any one server. And I really feel like if we could do that in mail and limit it down, it would make a huge, huge difference because you can do this in, in Thunderbird and it really, you know, it's very reliable. Sometimes it takes a little time for it to queue up all these things and, and make all these changes to the, the IMAP server that you want, but that's what needs to happen. So, so that's my feeling on that, John. I respect your feelings, Dave, but I'm going to inter I'm going to introduce my feelings on this. All right. Is that I did some surfing, and I found an article, and it was amazing. The title of the article, Dave, is "Apple Scripts for Marking Messages as Read in Mac Mail." Uh -huh. And it's funny because this article actually starts with the line saying, "At the request of Mac Sparky." I've put together a few Apple scripts for Mac Mail users, of course, uh, Mac Sparky being our good friend, David Sparks, who is a, a, a powerful force in the Mac community, I, I think, still. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, this is an article, which I put in our chat room and we'll put in the lovingly handcrafted show notes, that indicates, that tells you how to write an Apple script to do 
a number of things. And uh, quickly, uh, the three scripts in this article are mark all inbox messages read. All right, well, that's not what we want. Mark all messages read. That's not what we want. But then mark selected mailbox messages as read. So I believe if you're into Apple Script, and of course Apple Script uh, comes free with the Mac, and uh, you look at this code and you have a coding mindset, I think you probably could write an Apple Script that would do close to, if not exactly, what you want. And that's yeah, but it I still wouldn't offer, work, Dave. I mean, it, it 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 all of these things that we're talking about mail when you highlight a message, it should you know not it. The problem isn't getting mail to think that it's that the message is read. The problem is getting mail to successfully communicate that read status to the server in a way that the server accepts it. And and all of these things, the Apple scripts you found, they're great, right? That mail act on. It's great. Mail in and of itself sh- does this. And then right. it doesn't sync this information with the server and then it comes right. back. So no, I get it. What I'm suggesting is this: uh, an Apple script may be able to force the issue. I, I, I don't I agree think so. That, no, it, okay. it's just going right. to the Apple script is going to tell Mail that the message is okay. read, and then from there, it's up to Mail to negotiate with the server, and that's okay. where the problem is. Yeah. So you're you're identifying a, an inherent flaw in Mail that cannot be fixed by any human. Well, you could you the way to fix it would be to have a to go in like if it's iCloud mail you go to the iCloud mm-hmm. web interface if it's Gmail you go to the Gmail web interface and from there you tell it the message is read and that way you're telling the server something that this in a right. way that the server is going to accept mail is just really bad at telling IMAP servers specifically these types of things the 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 um the 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 flags on a message okay. I don't, and I don't well, know why that is but it's just yeah. You know, it's all right. It I, yeah. I I would uh, respectfully disagree. I think if you tell it enough times, it'll, oh, it'll get it. If you tell it enough <laughs> times, of course. No, I do it all the time, but I have to tell a message like three times. I got to float over it and it finally you're gets red. it. You're red. You're red. Ah, oh, now yeah, I okay, get good. it. Okay. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, again, that, that was my suggestion that you could automate this to some level. To some level. Yeah. Yeah. And you brought the band to say, wow. You brought the band to San Francisco? Outstanding. We're a class operation here. Uh, Last I checked, we are. Yeah. All right. Well, there's all kinds of things to to go through here. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com, though, is the way for you to send in your questions, your tips, anything you've got going on. Please. I agree. Yeah. Especially if you want to write to a class operation, Dave, I would send an email to feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Well, feedback at MacGeekUp.com is the right address to use unless you want to send mail and you are a premium subscriber. And, of course, then you can use premium at MacGeekUp.com. Of course, our our thanks, as always, go out to everyone who listens. And a a special thanks to all of our premium subscribers who who really do. They help. uh, You help us keep the lights on. You help make things like this, you know, this trip to WWDC possible, all of that stuff. It's uh, it's it's very much appreciated, and thank you. And it uh, gives you and us that warm, fuzzy feeling. Well, to to be honest, you know, we're sponsoring this SF Mac Indie thing tonight. We're sponsoring mm-hmm. um, the the, uh, the 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 next event tomorrow night, and and you know that kind of stuff is is in part made possible by by you know how you're able to help us. So we we do pay it forward um, when we can, and and we also. 
uh, also pay our mortgages with it. I mean, it, it helps us, you know, create the time to do what it is that we do for you every week. So check it out. MacGeekGab.com is where you can start to learn about uh, being a premium subscriber if, in fact, uh, you want to do that. Uh, pulling up my agenda here. And I did, I after I did the Smile so, uh, software spot, I realized that I, my peas were popping quite a bit. So now I am doing what I do in the studio, John, which, of course, is what I should be doing all the time. And that is talking across the microphone and not into it so that uh, you, you don't need a pop filter. That. I know I taught you that. I know. And you even mentioned it to me before we started the show. And I don't know why I, mm-hmm. I didn't do it. But uh, anyway, you're, now, you're, you're, you're exhausted. Dude. Well, there's you that. Take a, you should take a little nap. I can't because I got a SF Mackindy starts in or uh, Showstopper starts in 59 minutes. Hey, actually, they both start. That's the problem. You can take. Uh, come on, you can take a power nap, a oh, half yeah, hour I, power. Dude, nap. if I do that, it's going to be four hours. <laughs> you won't. Yeah, no, you won't make up. Not at this stage. Two oh six. You may need some caffeine. Oh. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's all right. Two oh six 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 Geek uh, is the phone number you can call John and Geek is. 4335. You can leave us a message there. We would love to hear from you if you do. We got some new iTunes reviews this week, and I wanted to read a few of them. But uh, if you haven't done one for us yet, please, we would love to have you go in and do one. Uh, We got Tastes Like Wookie from the USA wrote, uh, no matter if you're a noob or an experienced user, John and Dave speak your language. A few good Mac-related podcasts have come and gone, but I'm glad these two just keep going. One of my many favorite things about them is that even if you're not a premium subscriber, they answer your email questions fast and friendly and have gotten me out of a few jams. Keep up the great work, guys. It's true. We do. Uh, Sam Tagri from the Netherlands writes, What John and Dave do every week is magical. They go into details solving OS X and iOS mysteries, often while geeking out with their vast technical experience. Amazingly, they do this with lighthearted back and forth that manages to make me chuckle every now and then. And lastly, Barry F. from the USA says, I've been listening to John and Dave and Pilot Pete for many, many years. This is one of the first podcasts I discovered when I switched to OS X, and I continue to put this at the top of any list of must-listen-to shows. Their technical knowledge, wit, and savvy make this enjoyable and educational each week. Don't get caught without them. So take Barry's advice. Please do go leave a review for us. We would very much appreciate it. And thanks to all of you who have uh, left us reviews. Also, thanks to Michael Johnston at uh, the iOS Show podcast. Michael creates the uh, enhanced AAC with the chapters for you and for us each week. So thank you so much, Michael. We appreciate it. Also, thanks to uh, Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com because they provide all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. And of course, our podcast marketplace includes things like iMazing at iMazing.com. MGG gets you uh, 20% off there. Gazelle.com. They've been sponsoring us for a while as well. Smilesoftware.com slash geek, as we mentioned in the show. Lynda.com. L-Y-N-D-A.com slash MGG. And Squarespace.com slash MGG. All through Backbeat Media. Thank you so much, folks. Appreciate you sticking with us through this uh, travel show. It seems like it worked out all right. John, do you have any lasting advice for uh, for all of us? I think for you and for everyone else, Dave, but... Number one, I'm, I'm glad you got through the airport and through TSA, which indicates to me that you didn't get caught. Made up.